Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. If you've ever experienced any sort of chronic pain, you'll know how debilitating that can be and how trapped you can be when you just literally can't move or the pain is just so overbearing that it has a negative impact on all areas of your life. Now, in Clint McKay's story here, he, he talks next level pain like I've never heard described before and the amount of painkillers he was on that still weren't working the impact that had on him on his relationship with his wife at the time and then how he came out the other side and started to deal with the pain find answers that most the medical people that he saw couldn't give him answers to and then come out the side to be helping so many people now to move forward and he's got so much wisdom in here I wrote down so many points of gold that he shares in this conversation. So you'll take heaps out of this one. Get your pen and paper ready, take notes, and enjoy this conversation with Clint Mackay. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's guest, Clint Mackay. How are you, Clint? I'm well, thanks. Thank you for inviting me on. You're all good. Appreciate you coming on. Now, we were just having a quick chat before we jumped on, and you're semi-retired, and, and I love that because I've had the conversations with my kids saying, I'm, I'm not retiring. Like, I'll always do what I do because I just absolutely love it. So is that similar for you, or is it a, a purpose element where you want to be able to give back? What, why semi? Semi, um, because it's true, um, and, and that's probably the big part for me. I don't need to work, but I also won't turn down something that's a great opportunity. Um, so, so it's taken me a little while to sit with this and what it actually means. And, um, it's very interesting that part of the internal battle that I've had of being able to identify with something. So for the first half of my life, I was over mining and then I had a motel and I've done a number of different things. Um, but I always was able to say when somebody asked me what I do, I was always able to say, look, I'm, I'm this, yeah. uh, when I, when I basically retired, it was. Everyone, as soon as I'd say oh, I'm retired, people would look at me and go, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I go to the beach, or I do yoga, or, you know, whatever else. And it was an awkward conversation. Yeah. Um, so I, I really looked and went, well, patiently I do some work um, and I step into a bit of a purpose of trying to help people everywhere I can. So that means that there is work involved, and uh, but it also gives me the freedom to, to be honest and truthful and do what I want. Awesome. If that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. That's good. Now, you had a fairly significant injury back in 2015. Was that from an accident or was it from like, well, how did that all unfold? 
So there was a number of things that led to this. And I would say um, poor choices are a, are a big one of them. And this is something that, that I've learned over time is that our daily choices affect our life significantly. And um, I, I left home when I was 14 and, and was open mining and working for myself when I was 15. Um, I dropped out of school, all of those things. And uh, I was always taught, my father was, he was the hardest worker that I ever met and I idolised that. And he was also the hardest boss that I've ever seen in my life. And I worked for him when I was 12 um, onwards. You know, I was working a few days a week and that was kind of what financed moving out and, and going into open mining when I was 15. Yeah. And um, that being said, there's there's, meth, there's merit to to absolute hard work, but it's definitely, from what I've learned, not the best and fastest way to success. And what that's also done for me is made me push my body more than, than I should. And what I've learned is the body is poorly designed to do more than it should. So, mm. <laughs> and, and in a lot of cases, that's the same with anything. If, you, if you're expecting more out of something that it really should do, it's going to break down and have problems. So I had a number of significant back injuries that would put me out of action for a few days. And then uh, what actually happened, the, the last thing I'd been, I'd been taking painkillers for a long time and anti-inflammatories for, you know, 10 years. Um, and I was doing boxing training at the time and in a warm up, I sort of felt this spasm and I, and I didn't think much of it. I was, that's right. Keep going for the rest of the session. And that's, that's something that I'd been learned through my upbringing is I'm a man toughen up. It doesn't matter what the situation or the circumstance is. You've got to be tougher than the circumstances, tougher than the situation. And to be honest, I still view the world in a lot of that way that that's what I think is men should be men and we should be able to out toughen any situation. That being said, we've also got to find a balance of care in there somewhere that balances yep. that out. Um, so basically I, I did my fight training. and we I had this little bit of a spasm and then we continued for the rest of the training session. It was a pretty hard session. I drove home and I couldn't get out of the car. Oh, I couldn't, I literally, I literally had to call, call my wife at the time and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm stuck. I literally, I can't move my legs. I don't know what to do here. Um, like I'm sitting there spasming and I couldn't move. So she helped me inside and I literally could not find a place where I could be that wasn't in pain. Um, mm. And so I got onto the painkillers that I had and I had some incredible painkillers. So I was started a hell of a concoction of painkillers that did absolutely nothing. Um, spent thousands and thousands of dollars on massages, on physios, on chiropractors, on all of these things. And it, it was pretty detrimental. Um, across the board to the finances that have worked so hard to create. And I find that you've got to be careful selling your life because eventually you sell your life only to use the money that you've created to buy your life back. Mm, interesting. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a very, very interesting point in finding that balance along the way. And it um, so o over a period of time, I've been through doctors and I was supposed to have a fusion and disectomy in my spine. So that's basically they take the disc out and they put a steel plate at, at the front of your spine and they graft bone from your hip in and they basically fuse the L5S1 from, from moving. And the likelihood of this working is extremely low. Like it's under 25% chance that it's actually going to take the pain away. Yeah, right. So I put that off for a little while. I was booked in for it and they, they went through all the things and I was a really good candidate, but we're going through it. And um, I ended up on a, a lot of painkillers. Um, 
when I say a lot of painkillers, I was taking two to three hundred a week, like twenty painkillers at a time. Like every time I'd have a, have a thing three or four times a day, I'd have. I, I was doing hundred euro and hundred panadol a week. Um, I had Shit. Lyrica, I had OxyContin, I, I had Tarjan, Tremadol, um, uh, Diclofenic. And every time I go to the doctor, I'm like, this isn't working. And what can we do? And the doctor would just go, have, have these ones. We'll try this. And I said, can I ta- drop these ones? They're like, no, don't drop them. Keep doing this. Um, and and so that causes a whole lot of issues. And one of them is, I mean, in, if, it, if it was a different circumstance, teleporting would be lovely. But um, I... <laughs> yeah. I got to places where I would be, there was one time in particular, I, I remember parts of it. So I drove to the shop to get something and then I was in the shop and I had no idea what I was doing there. And then I was at home and I was brushing my teeth and then I was in bed. So these are the things that I remember. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, did I, have we, have I gone to say goodnight to the kids? And she was like, you were literally there. You were just there. And I'm what? like, geez, I had no, I had no recollection of the bits in the middle. It was just a couple like I said in the shops and whatnot. And then the next day I was looking for the car that I left at the shops and walked home. Um, so there was, <laughs> there was some large parts of the day and, and of life that I literally just, it was just teleporting in between space because of the medication was so, so strong. And, um, and the doctors really didn't want me to get off any of it. So your memory's not there of that, but how were you functioning? Like, was it like zombie or were you actually like decent, decent, showing up in a decent way? Basically zombie land. So so it was a really, really interesting space because, so one of the ones uh, that I was on, this Lyrica, um, it's a nerve blocker, so it stops the pain at your brain. So so you can imagine that the pain stopped here and the problem with that is when the when when this wears off you've just been going marching through but also you're, you're in an absolute fuzz you're just in zombie land but then the pain hits you like a ton of bricks because you haven't you haven't felt the pain you're just going 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 and then it'll just literally stop you when the pain when the when the medication wears off so and and that's so that's the solution it, and they it just was an interesting throwing, that that was and they skip throwing more and more at you yeah more and more and it was it was causing as you can imagine liver problems and health problems and all of those things so yeah and the where this started to turn around for me um was essentially so i'm going down this path and i'm as you can imagine getting pretty depressed and uh i think the there's this massive part there where when you're when you're trying to do these things and I've considered myself a manly man that I can I can do things. It doesn't matter what it is. As I said, I'm tougher than the situation. I I, I couldn't get a bowl out of the cupboard. Like I, I couldn't brush my teeth because the angle that I had to be on, I had to have one hand on the on the bench to brush my teeth. So I'm slowly being incapacitated and being stopped by the smallest things in life. And yeah, uh, it got pretty pretty hectic and pretty pretty re- some real really really low points there. Um, and I know that I wasn't good for myself, for my children, for my wife at the time. And you could imagine when someone's, when anyone's in pain and, and anyone can deal with chronic pain is what I found. Like you can, you can deal with chronic pain and, and it sort of becomes a memory, but acute pain makes you want to kill people. 
Mm. It really, it um, when 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 you slip into that, yeah, yeah, I'm paying, and now now all of a sudden it's at a ten, and you can't handle it. There is, there's very little you can do to, to calm that space, and and I've I've spoke to a number of people about this, and it's part of the parcel, unfortunately. So um, so from there, look, yeah. Oh, I'm I just like I, I put up with a lot of pain in my life too, but just seems completely insignificant to what you're talking about because that's ongoing at a level where you're taking painkillers that are like off the charts and it's still not working. Part of me thinks, is that a, a reflection of a incredibly high pain threshold that you must have as well? That's, that's definitely a, a, a side effect of that as well. Well, so I do have a high pain threshold and this is, look, I, I, I trained martial arts from when I was a kid. I did all, all of those sorts of things and um, there was there was always strong self-discipline in it, but also like uh, my my mentors and the people that I had around me growing up, I grew up around men. I grew up around men and, and there's been a lot of unpacking of um, situations and scenarios and life stories and all of those things along the time. And I I was the youngest in, in all of my groups and I grew up around people that I looked at that were tough. I mean, my father was the toughest man that I ever knew. Like he's, he still is like, and he was, he was hard in, in so many ways. And uh, of course I admired that. That was, that was a strength that I, that I absolutely admired. And you can see the ramifications of that down the, down the track of how that has worked out for him. Um, my grandfather, he was the youngest in Australia to fight all comers in the tents. So he was fighting Anyone that challenged him at 16 years old. What? So, and, I, and I look at that now and I, I look at, I, I, I honestly feel like I could fight 20 16-year-olds all at one time. Like that's, that's no worries at all. I, I feel like that, yep, I can do that at one time. But to be 16-year-old and fighting 40-year-old men or anyone that challenges you, that's one tough bastard. So, <laughs> Wow. So there must have been a breaking point. Was there like something that yeah. that? Uh, so you're talking. You've gone pretty deep here already, but but like there must have been it all come to a head. Yeah, look, and, and it really was was gradually, but all at once. So I think it's that gradually, but suddenly when when things start going. And the problem that I had, not like a lot of people, is I mean I've I've never had a job like this. I worked for myself at this time, and and my wife was relying on me. The kids were relying on me at that time. We, we had a motel business. And if somehow I didn't do my shit, uh, the person that was left to carry that weight was, was my wife at the time. So you could see that this was relatively tragic on a, on a relationship when one person's carrying the burden of the other. Yeah. Um, I was literally out of options. And, and this is the thing I was out of options. The, the fusion and dissectomy part of the reason I, I didn't do it, um, is I'd worked very hard on my core and I'd been training a lot and literally it was going to be three months. So if they did the, the, um, the surgery, it's three months before you can even crack a stubby because that's the core strength you need to open, open a beer. Um, so, so you can imagine that over that time, I would be a real burden on the family, on everyone. If, if I couldn't do anything, there's no, when you're self-employed as you might know that there's not really any workers comp, there's not really anything that you can get. There's no help that you can get. 
and and we were making good money. So it's not like I could go to Centrelink and say, hey, I'm unable to do it. And they're like, you've got money in the bank, use that. So yeah, yeah. there was some really, really large points and, and it was kind of a downward spiral of depression. And, um, and I, I do use the word grief because it was trying to sustain a family and be the best person you can be when you, when you're not, when you, when you, you're just not, it's, it leaves you in, well, it left me in some dark places, let's say. So it's, um, the, I'd say from there, and that, that was really the hard point. There, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of questioning of my reality and of all of the things that I could do. And in my, in my essentially sober state from any time that I was off the painkillers, I was in super amounts of pain. Um, but I'm like, what do I do? I don't, I, I got to the point. I'm like, I don't want to get back on these painkillers. Um, I went to pain specialists and all sorts of things. And one of the pain specialists, he said to me, he said, I can't help you until you at least get off the Nurofen. He said, because the way that works is it kills the healing cells in your body. And he said, that's the first thing you need is the healing cells. He said, but your side effect is going to be more pain. <laughs> oh, so. and, and, and that's uh, like, obviously it, like at a very high level and is that having the same effect for people that are, that are sort of regularly taking neurofins just on a day-to-day basis as well yeah yeah so this pain specialist explained to me he said um he actually thinks that ibuprofen um should be banned he it it should be banned essentially because what it does is say if you get a cut in your hand your brain knows there's a cut there and sends healing cells to that body to heal it from the inside out right yep yep. but what the what the ibuprofen does is it actually attacks and kills those healing cells it eliminates the pain and that's they say it's probably okay for headaches because that's a short-term pain that isn't really doing a thing but also you're killing those cells that are essentially sent around your body to try and heal that spot so for cuts for for um for bruises you need to get that good blood flow that goes to that space to actually try and heal it. And particularly with spine injuries or anything like that, you need to get as much in there as you possibly can. So I had, um, I've had platelet rich plasma injections in my spine and those sorts of things as well, which make a chunk of difference. It's unfortunate in Australia that we, we don't have live x-ray for them to actually um, do the intervertebral disc injection yet. And that would make probably the biggest difference in the world. Is, is having those done um but that's a four inch needle going into the into your spine it's pretty sort of risky to get that done yeah i imagine um so, so you, you 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 were you were talking about how so, um like you, you when you're off the meds you just didn't know what to do but what was your mental state at that point like you said you went to some dark places but like what are we talking or you, were you at that point you're like oh, there's no way out like that dark. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the, all of the things combined, like we have, so, so as it got that, like I'm looking, there's no way out. There is no, there, this pain is too much and I don't want to be here. There was a lot of days where I'm like, I don't want to be here. I know. And everywhere I looked and I think, so when you, when you look for red cars, that's what you find, right? You, you start looking for, looking for those things and that's what you see. So I'm in a yeah. dark place. And I'm, I'm going everywhere I look like I can't even walk my kids to school. I'm not helping my wife. I'm draining the bank accounts. I'm an absolute burden here. Everything I'm doing is not helpful. The business we were in, I, I got to a point where I really hated it. I did not want to be there anymore. And we'd set financial goals that were being slowed down 
by me. Um, and we'd set and looking back, you know, if we had the perspicacity to to check in and go, you know what, this isn't really ideal for us. Maybe we should sell and get out a bit earlier, even if we don't make the dollars. Maybe that could have been ideal, but ultimately everything unfolds as it's meant to anyway. Um, but yeah, a lot of this, I started the healing journey, but ultimately a lot of this definitely contributed to my divorce. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I see my kids every second weekend now. They live three hours away from me, um, which is definitely a, a lovely challenge. And that's, that's something to me that's super important um, to spend the time with the children. And not just for me, but I, I think in the world today, it's undervalued the masculine presence and impact that that has on a child. I think I'm not devaluing what women do in any way. And I think that's super important, but I also, I feel like uh, from 12 onwards in particular, I think the masculine role of, of any male to be in their child's life is super important. Um, I think it, it really grounds and helps. We're not necessarily the best carers from that one to seven, one to eight, but on, on after that, I, th- I actually think, it's undervalued the role that we have in, in children's yeah, yeah. lives. And, uh, and and not just uh, the father necessarily, but other uh, male figures as well that are, that are positive influence. I, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a study done in the U S and it's a really quite an interesting study. And it was in one of the lower socioeconomic areas and they were working out what the problem was because the kids were turning to drugs. There was, there was stabbings, there was murders. There was all of these bad things happening amongst the kids. And when they did their whole of this, this area in particular, what they found is it wasn't just the lack of a father in the home. It was the lack of fathers across the board in the home. There was, there was no masculine role models in the city. They're, they're all, they're all single mums. And as I said, not taking away, from what they do because they do an incredible job, but the feminine energy does one thing and the masculine energy definitely does another. And I, contrary to popular thoughts at the moment, um, masculine and feminine definitely play different roles in society. And I, I think that it's extremely important that you have both. Yeah, I would agree. So how do you get from, like you said you went to some dark places, and it came to a head, but, but what, what was the next step? Like you're at yeah. that point where you're thinking about checking out, but there must've been something that also found you because as part of you still hanging on to hope. There must've been something else that started the red car that found you that here's the, here's the solution. Yeah. Yeah. So look, it was interesting. Um, and, and I, I find it all, everything ties together just perfectly as it's meant to. Right. Um, yeah. I was out of options. I really was. I'm, I'm thinking there's nothing I can do here. I, I was at the physio one day and uh, the woman said to me, she was going through some stuff and helping me out. And she was um, she was a really lovely lady. And uh, she said to me through the session, she goes, have you have you started doing yoga? And I, and I literally said, no, that's for girls. And uh, <laughs> and, and she, she laughed and she, she said, have I'm serious. Have you tried yoga? And I said, I'm serious. That's, that's for girls. And she, <laughs> and, um, she said, okay, look, you, you do your life your own way, but I actually think it's going to help. I'm like, right, right. I didn't think much of it until I was driving home from the physio appointment and 
got home and was feeling worse than when I left. And I'm sitting there and going, what the hell am I going to do? What, what the hell am I going to do? And, I, and so I made it inside and I was laying on, laying face down on a, um, like a, a yoga ball. Is that what they call them? The big round balls. Yeah, yeah. So I was laying on my belly, just trying to create some separation in my spine. And I'm like back spasming and I'm trying to just find a place that I could be without pain. And the laptop was in front of me and I'm like, what have I got to bloody lose here? I'm at home. I'm at home. No one's here. No one's going to know. So I jumped on YouTube and I just put in beginner yoga for back pain. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's see, you know, see what this is about. So finally lay down on the carpet and then I thought, 10 minute video. Okay. Okay. I battled through it and I got through this 10 minutes and I went, the pain's less. And like, I'm, I'm talking within a 10 minute thing. It was, noticeable difference that this pain was less. And I'm like, no, no, no way in the world. There is no way in the world that the pain can be less over that amount of time. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, no one else is home. And I'm like, next 10 minute to another 10 minute one. Let's, let's see. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, I can feel that parts of my body are relaxed a little, little bit more here. So I sort of was like, I didn't want to say anything to anyone for about it for, for quite a while. And I'm like, I'm going to start just trying to do a little bit of this daily, maybe five minutes, see how I go each day. No, no expectation. Um, and I, I literally started doing yoga and uh, I went down this track and some days I would do like 12 of these 10 minute sessions and go through and I just was finding different ones. And there was, it's an interesting one because, you know, these, these women are talking all lovely and, and, and uh, this enlightened language and all, <laughs> all of these bits and pieces. And I, after a while, I'm like, I'm actually enjoying this. I'm actually starting <laughs> to enjoy this as well. And I was, yeah. I, uh, I was interested. I, I spoke to my brother one day and, and he'd had a bit of an injury. And I'm like, look, have you tried yoga? And he was like, I'm not doing yoga. <laughs> and I was just laughing. To, I laughed to myself and I'm like, look, I'm doing, I'm doing yoga. Right? And he go and he laughed. He laughed at me. He goes, you're doing yoga. I said, and it's working. It's actually helping. Like I've been in pain for so freaking long and it's actually helping. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to recover and I'm not saying that, but the pain's less. Um, so after a little while, like I, I, I was just doing this day in, day out, every chance I could like seven days a week, everywhere I could. And I, I, stop sitting on the lounge. I'd, I'd sit on yoga blocks on the floor instead of sitting on the lounge. And I started researching and going down what's actually healthy. And, you know, what we found is 90% of the time we're doing detrimental things to our body. You know, we're, we're sitting in constant contraction of, of, of um, yeah, con contraction of our hips. Every, we sit in the car, we sit at chairs, we sit on the lounge and we're constantly contracting. We're never opening and flexing our hips the opposite way this is part of the life we live in. And, you know, I, I've had people talk to me about it over the time and they're like, I want to get out of this, you know, and I want to create this, this space. And I said, well, how, what are you doing that's beneficial for it? And I said, oh, not much. And, the, and then we went through a couple of things. Someone said, oh, I probably do. You know, I go to a yoga class once a week. How long do you think it's going to take? I said, probably you'll never get there at one hour a week when you're, there's 144 hours in a week and you're spending 130, you know, whatever it is, hours of that doing detrimental work to your body, like I was, yeah. unless yeah. you turn something around, you know, nothing changes unless nothing changes, right? Yeah. So um, this this was a really, uh, this was the start of a big turning point. 
There so must have been from from there. I got when you were describing just the relief in pain. I got goosebumps as if like almost like you were transported back there and and just such a significant moment because nothing else to that point had actually. Well, apart from taking copious amounts of painkillers, but even that didn't sound like it worked that well, but nothing else had worked. It must have been no. like just such an unbelievably positive moment, even though there was disbelief, as you described. Yeah, yeah, it was It was a really, really interesting space, and it was complete disbelief. As, as you start taking in some of this going, what the hell is – what? what's actually really changed here? Like where where are we – how is this even possible, you know? And so I, I started doing a lot of reading, a lot of research on this, and I, I never read a book until basically this back injury. So I was 30, well, just, just about 30, and I'm like, no, nah, hadn't read, hadn't done anything, and my schooling wasn't there, so I failed everything in school. So, yeah, I never read a book till I was 30. And I'm sitting there one day, and I, 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 I said to my wife, I, I started going to a couple of yoga classes. I was like, I was so embarrassed to go to a yoga class. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, there's – I'm going to be the only man in the class. And, and it really, I was the only man in the class and they're all in there doing their things. And I was the person that was able to leave, move the least. Um, so it was pretty daunting, but I started going to these classes and, and after a while I'm like, I'm actually really enjoying this. And I thought, I wonder if I can change my life so that there's actually a, a possibility to teach yoga or even so that I can learn more because at the time I was traveling 30 minutes each way to go to this class. So when, Okay, I was, I was thinking about it. I was talking to um, my ex-wife at one stage there and I said, I'm thinking about maybe doing a yoga teacher training. And she said, oh, oh well, if, you know, if, if you think that's going to help, I'd support that. And I went, okay. So I looked at all of the popular destinations like Thailand and Bali and all of those sorts of places that looked absolutely amazing. But then I also went, I'm actually going to go to India where it started. I'm going to go over there and... So I started looking and I found found a yoga training school and I was like, all right, I want to do this vinyasa yoga. I want to do this. This is going to be really good. I've been enjoying this. I think this is going to be great. So it turns out, and this is the funny thing, so I booked my flights and went over to India into Rishikesh, which is the holy city, the birthplace of yoga, and um, went over there. And it wasn't until partway through the course, I was like, this isn't the course that I signed up for. Like there's something, something's gone amiss here. And it turns out that there's two yoga schools in this city named exactly the same thing. And the one that I'd done all the one that I'd done all the research on was not the one that I went to. And um, so the, the funny part was I'm doing this and I'm like, went to, to to this school and it wasn't until part way through. So there must have been a ad come up on the internet like Rishikesh Vinyasa Yoga School here and I, and it was a discount. And I was like Great, I'll jump on. Now it's discount. I'd read this Rishi Kish Vinyasa Yoga School. And when you start researching yoga trainings, it's overwhelming. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yoga schools across the board, particularly in Rishi Kish. There's 200 just there. Anyway, so I'm in this training and I'm like, holy shit. I thought I was doing Vinyasa. And it turns out I'm doing this, this practice called Ashtanga which is super hard and super physical and over the top. Like it is traditional down the line. It was um, reintroduced, made, made popular by Patabi Joyce in the thirties, but this is some of the hardest thing you'll do in your life. And I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this. This is absolutely intense. Um, so throughout this, and I'm like, 
well, I'm here. I've got to make the most of it. And they did some pretty wild things in this and we did some very interesting cleansings and all sorts of things. And I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm going to do the whole lot, push through as as we do. Um, but the, the practice, this Ashtanga class was, they had that, there was about six hours of yoga a day and this Ashtanga class was absolutely breaking point every day. And I couldn't do half of it and I was moving slow. And I remember, and I can even think back now to go, something to look of where I started and how far I've come over the last number of years. It's incredible. The pain that I was in doing that practice when I first started was, was incredible, but it actually slowly, so it does two things. Well, three things when you, when you're doing yoga or stretching, one is you oxygenate, oxygenate your muscles. Number two is you hydrate your muscles. Three, you stretch them, but also you desensitize yourself to pain. Hmm. Interesting. So the way in which the primary series works, just hang on two seconds. The way in which the primary series works is predominantly forward folding. So you do a lot of forward bends, which means you're in and out of flexion and extension a lot. Um, and the way my spinal injury actually was, so the discs are stacked like this. The discs, are, I've actually had the disc um, pushed out at the back. So what I've found is when you roll forward and your spine contracts this way, it actually feels really good because it takes the pressure off the disc at the back. I'm just trying to make sure we can see that. It takes the pressure off the disc at the back. But then when yeah. you come up, you've got to be careful not to go too far forward because as the disc pushes together, it actually pushes that disc further out of your spine. You're right. So even though it feels amazing, it's detrimental. But what you've got to do is find this, this balance of contraction where you're, where you're relieving the pain and the back bend, which actually pushes the disc back into its place. Now that hurts. That's that's a lot of pain and, and a lot of inflammation. The wonderful thing was, is I was already on a lot of painkillers. So I stayed on the painkillers throughout the practice. And this genuinely started turning turning my life around. Um, not straight away, as I said, gradually, gradually and suddenly. And over time, I'm not saying I'm completely pain-free, but I'm able to sit here without pain um, and I'm able to manage my pain now. And it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Occasionally I'll, I'll have like a, a one anti-inflammatory here and there if I know I've loaded, loaded my back. Um, but over time and as the, as the, um, as the yoga's got stronger, my, my strength, my core strengths build incredibly. Um, the pain's actually really, really diminished to a level that there's no way I would ever consider a surgery. There's no way in the world that I would consider that. Um, gone down this path so i've created core stabilizer muscles but also the ability to move freer and uh the flow on effect which i really didn't expect and i knew nothing about was um the way you feel physically dramatically impacts how you feel mentally yeah right so what <laughs> i've what i've found along this path is you start doing the self-care and it doesn't matter self-care looks different for everyone you've got more capacity and, and I've found that at any time, if I drop my practice now, if I don't do yoga for three days, I can start to see the negative thoughts come in, the mental capacity is lower, my capacity as a father, as a husband, as all of those things is less. So, so it's not just that I'll, I'll notice it physically, my, my back will start being in pain. I'll, I literally, there's, I know that if, if I get into doing something and I push hard, yeah, like my, my body across the board is, is, suffering but my mental capacity is suffering majorly 
And mm. uh, I, I noticed that the flow on effect of this is huge. And uh, so I, I became a teacher, a yoga teacher. And, and basically that's a lovely gift that I can give to people. And I've taught yoga just to simply try and help people across the board. So good. And, um, and, you, and, the, and you know you're, uh, you're finding purpose when you are helping people avoid what you were stuck in for many years, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll let, yeah, yeah. I'll let you finish what you're going to say, but then I, I wanted to jump in with a question. So keep going. And then. For sure, for sure. It's it's an interesting point that I find with self care and and these finding your most capacity. When you've done that, essentially we we have the ability to be better across the board. And and I've noticed that if you don't do these things the content in your life directly reflects the way you feel and th and feeling is what you get for thinking. So it's this little round circle that I've, that I've found of, if you don't do the physical thing, the mental thing comes. And if the mental thing comes, the physical thing doesn't. So somewhere we've got to break that circle. Um, and I've found that my experience through this, I've been able to really resonate with a lot of people and, and be able to say, Hey, look, it might not work for you, but this is what has dramatically helped me. And I've brought a lot of people into yoga and into a healthier space for themselves, just simply because I don't want anyone to go through what I did. And uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I feel like this life is, worth, is, is for more than just living. Oh, I love that. Um, I love how these uh, accidents, which aren't accidents, take us to places like the, the chances of them having exactly the same name and you ending up in the practice that obviously you were meant to do. Uh, just the, it's almost like uh, whether it's God or the universe, just having a bit of um, fun with us, but it's, it's magic how that turns out so good. Um, so at that point, it sounds like you're still married. So you're coming out yes. the other side of a fog of pain but it sounds like probably there's mm -hmm. a fair bit of damage done to the relationship at that point. So does it, as you're getting better, does it, does it then start to unravel? Yeah, look, there's, there's a lot of things that, um, that change throughout this. Um, one of my poor coping mechanisms throughout pain and throughout some of these things was um, being unfaithful. That was one, that was one part of it. That was uh, a really, really shit thing to do. And that was, a side effect throughout some of that. There's there's a lot of other things amongst it all as well. But what I've what I've found is generally we all need to find a way to cope. And now coping is not the best strategy for anything. It's really really not. People are doing things to get by. And and how many of us finish a day of work and kick back and have a beer and and just chill out in front of the TV because that's how you're coping. Now that's not yeah. thriving, and it's not congruent with. Most people want to want a better life, or most most people have drawn a picture of what they want their life to look like. Yeah. And if we haven't done that, we damn well should, because that way we can look at what's congruent with creating a life on the path we want to be. And it's very easy to go, hey, well, and that's not positive towards my relationship. That's not positive towards my health. That's not positive towards my relationship story. Um, so there was a number of things that come out of that, and. Uh, it caused pain for a lot of people around me, but also what I've found and I, my advice to anyone is if you go down a path of self-healing, self-development, self-change, uh, doing better in your life and you give a shit about your relationship, try and get on the same page as, the, as your partner. Try and make sure that you're both on the same page of growing 
in in the same direction um because what ends up happening is when someone takes a step of growth even if the other person's growing but if it goes like this what it feels like is you're growing apart and it can cause a lot of resentment amongst that yep and i think anyone who's been anyone who's been through any sort of growth would have had a moment like that where it feels like there's a disconnection happening and and that's the dance right you you need to be able to find a way to be able to bring that connection back together and if you don't well then that's when things start to unravel yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and look i, I would say that i learned something just just recently is everyone has a map for how we do life right we, we have this map of what our life should look like what we want it to do but at high resolution the map's kind of damaged and it's not very clear and and if your map's not clear how is the map your partner going to have any different when you're on completely different pages and i like to say to my wife i, I want us reading the same book same book on the same page reading the same line okay because if i'm on a different page even if we're in the same book it makes no bloody sense. You, our timing's all off and it causes little problems that you don't need. Whereas if it's like, okay, today we set an intention. What, what are we going to look at? What does today look like? Okay, we really we both want to go to the gym. Great, no worries. That's a priority for us. We want to create a, a, a space here where we can both move into this and do this together. Great, that's good. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. Wonderful. We're working towards a common goal but we've outlined it so clearly that it gives us the opportunity to thrive. And, and rather than cope, and, and I know that that's what I was doing, and I know that so many people in life are just surviving um, and, and not being clear. And look, I, I'm, I'm not a relationship counsellor, but I would say if you think of communicating with your partner, keep trying and try harder because you're probably not. You're probably not. And, yeah. and, and, and it's as simple as even if you think you are, the high resolution part on your map isn't perfect. How can the other person be on the same same line? And uh, and that causes discrepancies quite easily. Yeah, hundred percent. And and again, it's like if you've if you've made any changes, then there can be discrepancies. But it comes back to exactly what you talked about: is that you have to have that clarity. And the more clarity you can get, the better. I love what you said. Like when you when you actually zoom in. Then you're going to find the the details, and and if they're not as they need to be, then yeah, you're going to run into yeah. problems. It's a great description. Well, the, the perfect, the the easy way to look at that is, is this: if I'm going to draw a map to go to Sydney from the Gold Coast, yep, cool. At at um, at low resolution, it looks like a straight line, right? Straight down from Gold Coast to to, uh, to Sydney. But relatively straight, at low resolution, I could be going through Tamworth. I'm still going to get to the Gold Coast. I'm still going to get to Sydney. But when you zoom in, you're going, I'm wasting time. I'm wasting energy. I'm wasting money. I'm actually lost. Yeah. Now, if, if, if I ended up in Tamworth and, and I'd said to my partner, where are you? Look, look oh, you're coming up from, from the Gold Coast. We'll meet along the way. And I'm in Tamworth. Bloody hell, you, you're, not even, you're not even close to the same. You're, and you're actually lost. So if you get into the high resolution part of the map and it seems so silly to, to, to look at it, it's like, okay, what, what does our morning look like? And I was chatting with a couple of this the other day. What does your morning look like? Oh, I need to get out of bed. I need to get on my shoes and I need to go for a run. Cool. That's great. What does yours look like? I want to spend some time with my partner before doing too much in the day. Well, 
yeah, you've got a map. Is it the best map we can have? Maybe not. Like we, we want to be really clear about creating it. That, that's the way I see the world works best, right? And, and, and this isn't necessarily any advice, but I feel the world works best um, when a couple is on a team together and they work as one energy. And I, I, I feel that the world grows great when we work towards common goals that aren't just about money that are about doing better in the world, you know? And I, I see, I feel like the majority of us uh, want to change the world in some sort of way, but don't necessarily know how. And I sent a great little comment uh, a couple of days ago and it said, people are worried about, you know, there being a time machine. Like if you went back in time and changed one thing, how drastically that could change the future. Why don't we think about that day to day? how drastically yeah. it could change the future by one thing you do today. So, <laughs> so, so good. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more on that, that sense of team and the energy. It's, I'm, I look at it from a sports perspective as I look at most things because it's been such a big part of my life and it's like there are certain things that in, in high-functioning and high-performing teams that you get done that I just don't see enough in people's houses and it's like – being able to have yeah. clear and direct feedback, being able to receive that in a way that's not taken personal, uh, to be able to encourage each other, to be able to lift each other up, to be able to, yeah, uh, yeah want the best for each other. And and while there may be the, the intention there, unfortunately we've got so many of these old behaviours and old patterns that get in the way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's There's so much to, to creating a team uh, – that it needs a little guidance around. And I mean, no one taught us how to have a marriage or have a partner or any of those things or how to bring up children. And even if they did, that was in a different world. You know, 20 years later, we don't live in the same world we do. And yeah. and so, so again, I, I really like that having the perspicacity. So perspicacity is the ultra presence to be in this space and to go, this is what ne- this situation needs. And I'll tell you what, if you can find any of that, Every part of your life improves. Every single part of your life improves. If if you're if you're in a team and you're like, okay, this person like on a football field, this guy's the runner. This guy's fast. We'll make sure wherever there's a clear spot, we'll throw the ball, get the ball to this guy because he's the fastest. And all that takes is sitting with the people and going, all right, this is this is how the team dynamics work. If you're not present and you're like, I like this guy, he's my friend. I'm going to give the ball to this guy. You're going to lose. You're going to yeah. like. You're giving the ball to this big guy that just, you know, he's, he's 30 kilos overweight, but he's got a big heart and, you know, he really shouldn't be on that part of the team anyway. Maybe you should, whatever party should be. Everyone has value and everyone has a unique purpose. It's not all the same though. It's yeah. not all the same. And we'll that, that part about being able to give feedback and not take it personally is, is an interesting one. I've found over my time that most arguments aren't started over difference in opinion. They're started over tone of voice and, and delivery. Yeah. So, so good. So good. So, and and uh, again, if I use another uh, sport analogy, the you know, sports cycle, say you focus on process. And if you've got a good process for yeah. it, then it takes the emotion out. And if you can stay calm through the process, mm-hmm. then it makes sure that no emotion gets into it. And uh, I think – 
like you said, no one's taught us this. And it sounds like you've got a similar passion for me. It's like we, we need more people to, to have these tools, to have these processes and have these strategies because it's not as difficult yep. as we've been led to believe. Yeah, I, I feel a world grows great uh, when we have more free thinkers, when we have more creative and inventive people um, and people that absolutely have the freedom to choose. And I, that's that's something I'm really passionate about now is, is helping people get into a space of being able to create that because most, I'm going to say most men, uh, live a life of quiet desperation. Um, if you were to ask most, most men if they're happy, the answer is no. Like I used to do this a lot. I used to say to people, are you happy? When I first meet someone, are you happy? Are you in love? And uh, where, where are you? Ask a few basic questions and then ask the same questions about 10 drinks in. <laughs> and yeah. what I used to get is, am I happy? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And are you in love? Yeah, yeah. Love my wife. Yeah, yeah. 10 drinks later, are you happy? Fuck. No. Mate, I, there's so much about my life that I hate. Are, are you in love? Oh, I'm still here. I, I, I love the woman, but I don't know about in love. Yeah. it's. Um, I actually did a quick post on this this morning. It's like this – it's almost like men think they're giving up their power if they admit that something's not quite right, if, if they admit that maybe someone might have some knowledge or wisdom that they don't have. And so we, yeah. we keep it to ourselves and, and it's like, no, like – we women get together and they talk and they talk about these different things, which is which is why there's not the same challenges with women's health as there is with men's health. But they've still got their other challenges, no doubt. But for men, it's like we're keeping this stuff locked on, and it's why it's one of the fastest growing death rates in Australia because men are taking their own life because they're not talking. It's a it's a very interesting space to to play into that, and. Um, I went to a men's circle and occasionally I go to these things and uh, I have a, a beautiful therapist that I, I spend some time with because I think it's easier to change the oil on a vehicle than to change an engine. So so, so what I say by that is sometimes all you've got to do is the maintenance check-in. You've got someone that you can go to that's not your partner because if you're coming to your partner constantly burdened or once, once a month going, I've got all of this and I need to dump it. Most people go into fixing it and that, or it feels like burden. It doesn't feel like that. Whereas if you've got someone that has an objective perspective, that's a good listener, most people think as they speak. So if you give someone enough time to speak and what you'll find and, and what I've found is if I give my wife time and she's, and I, often we both say to each other, I'm thinking as I'm speaking here. And what you do is you go through your process and you go, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. You figure it out on your own. Eventually, you don't, you don't actually need someone to jump in and fix it. And, and all of us need that, particularly men. But when I went to this men's group, I would say it was the first time in my life, and this is only a couple of years ago, that I actually felt heard. I don't believe that anyone had actually ever really listened to me until that time. And, and I was like, this is, this is insane. This is insane that, uh, that I'm a 34-year-old man and nobody has actually really listened and, and you know, that you're going through the depths of hell and that was a, quite a grieving time as well. I had some serious uh, relationship issues at the time and um, I was going through this and they're going, and what else? Keep talking. T- more. What else? They weren't, they weren't saying, oh, mate, you need to do this, you need to do this. They are going, what else is there? What else? 
and, and go deeper on that. We, we need to hear it. And I think a lot of that, as as you have the ability to to think as you speak, without someone trying to give you their necessarily feedback, they do in the end anyway, but just the act of being heard takes that damn burden off your shoulders. And, and I do, I feel like across the board, men are, are so heavily burdened by their responsibilities. Um, yeah. And I, I think even that, even the word responsibility is probably taken. I think when we look at responsibilities, most of us think of a chore or of something that you have to do. Whereas responsibility is actually two words and it's the ability to respond. Yeah. So if, if we look at that, my if, language. I actually have the ability. Now, if I have the ability, that's not, a, that's not a chore. This is something I can do easily. That's what an ability is. So I have the ability to respond to certain things. These things I need to own my space in. And so many of us, me definitely included, had sat in a space where I wasn't owning my space. I wasn't really stepping up. I thought I was. I thought I was, but essentially by holding back and by not not getting the help I need, by not doing the thing, you know, I was detrimental. And, and I think when we look back to happier parts in your life, and I was like, when I was single in particular, I was a really, really fun person to be around. Everyone was always at the house. They loved, you know, hanging out and doing those things. That changes over time because I burdened myself. Nobody else burdened me. I burdened myself with the responsibilities. So when, when only, only me is in control of my destiny and the things that I actually do. And so often it's easier to place the blame and go, you said we need to do this, whereas it's actually me. And I found that throughout my, my last relationship was that um, often the projection that we live in uh, is not the real perception, is not actually what's what's ha- happening. And we're projecting into the world. What I see is you ne- you said that you need this done. You've said rah, 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 and, and I've taken on the responsibility of the things that somehow I've taken this, but that's not real. Yeah, and... Uh... That's been my experience too. Just had a conversation about that this morning is like the, the pressure that we place upon ourselves is more often than not other people's agendas, even if we think it's our own. It's like, well, what what's actually going on there? And it's that projection from other people that we've heard again and again yeah. and again, and it just becomes our default. Um, Clint, can do you mind if like you've done a fair bit of work on yourself? So I feel like this is a safe bet for you but do you mind if i just dig around some of the things that i've had shown up in my body over a couple of the things we talked about yeah for sure so you talked about uh that that um i can't remember which point it was but it might have been around the um the pain and that that sort of you were talking about negative thoughts and i felt this wave of um sadness now I'd love for you to unpack this because a lot of people are chasing money, right? And they think that's going to be the source of their happiness. What You're someone who's semi-retired. Yep. Money's not an issue, and yet there's still stuff there, right? Of course, right, which we know. Yeah. So, so for someone who has money, what are the primary things that do come up for you? Because I want to paint a picture for people to see that this, this is the real work. 
Okay, so this this is a very deep, uh, multifaceted question. Um, all right, so I, I was extremely broke in my life, like starving, boiling creek water, eating kangaroos, that sort of stuff. So I worked my ass off to get money. Now, yeah. I believe I definitely went about it the wrong way as, I, as I've learned things, but I, I look back now and uh, when I was with my ex-wife, we had two brand new cars, we had two businesses, a couple hundred thousand dollars spare in the bank, two kids, the wife, the job, the everything that, that anyone looking in goes, you're a successful person, but yeah. I still wanted to shoot myself in the head. Yeah. So, so my big thing, which I push is I push everyone to question what they really freaking want. And I, I, and I can't tell you what that is. And I won't tell you what I think that is, but we are taught and we are sold this in no other clearer ways, a bullshit dream. And we sold it from the elite, from the government, from our parents. And we're sold a dream that most of us don't really want. We sold this dream of, first of all, the house, the kids, the car, the job, get all of those things. And you're going to be happy. I'm here to tell you, it's, you, you won't be because happiness isn't a future event. If you can't find joy in moments and small things, you're not going to be joyful when you're rich. And I think, I said to someone recently that's on a very, very intrinsically involved in making a lot of money. And I said, I, I think it's extremely important that you fulfill your goal. I really, really do. I'd love you to do that because right now you're making everything about that. And you need to go through this to find out that life's still shit with money if you haven't fixed the small things. You need yep. to find out that being successful isn't the most important thing in life. And I, and I really think that everyone should be financially successful to, to understand that there's no value in it. It yeah. definitely is easier to cry in a Ferrari than on a push bike. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. And certain that's for yeah. sure. And certain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that and, and again, I'm very big on, we, we all need to cash up so that we can escape the matrix because unfortunately the world we live in, if you don't have cash, you're not really free, but also we need to check in and go, do I want to have a house? Because often house is just a trap that we bought into that you don't really want. Like when I, when I, so amazingly, when I left my divorce, I actually left with money. I actually, I was, I expected to, to not have any money whatsoever. So I decided the money I did have that I was just going to blow it and, and really enjoy that. Um, so I had a great 12 months. I had an absolute blast. Um, but I actually ended up with, with quite a bit. And I looked at what I had and, and the asset and whatnot. And I went, if I sold this, I would be able to put down a, a really good deposit on a house that I'd own. I'd still, I'd have a mortgage, but I'd have to go to work and I would have to do some things and, and, and to be paying off the house, right? Or if I lived a basic life and used that money in, in an investment, I could pay my rent and put $700 a week in my pocket without working. Nice. The choice for me was really, really simple because I didn't give a shit that much about having a house. And I'm like, I can live an amazing life. I can do my things. I can pay my food. I can do this. I can go to the beach and do yoga. I can go for push bike rides. I can go skateboarding. I can go and spend time with friends and read. Well, there's not more to life than living. There's each, each day is so built for us to live in. And I think so many of us get caught up on the haves and the have nots. And we've got to have the fancy car and the, and the bullshit house and the, you know, the, the designer clothes and whatnot. And I'm like, do you know what? 
having things is a very, very temporary happiness. And there's there's merit to buying things. Yeah, you, you do get that that absolute beautiful thing of being able to have that stuff. And it's there is merit to that. There is definitely merit in that bit of joy. But the real joy and the real work comes from within. And it really, really does for times like this where we can spend and catch up and, and really maybe one person takes one thing out of this. And I look at it as if we can change one person's world, we've changed the whole world, right? So people ask, if, is the apocalypse real? Yeah, of course it's real. Because consciousness is a proje projection from your inner space, yeah? Consciousness, the reality of this world is a projection that I project onto it. So without me, this reality isn't real. So if I die, that's an apocalypse. The world ceases to exist. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Um... So, so if I change one person's world, then I've changed the whole world, haven't I? So yeah. sometimes... Yeah. Simplicity. Sometimes it's those small things. It's those small things. And it's that's why I was speaking to you earlier. What I've what I've embarked on at the moment is trying to help some people really, really change, change their world and find some little strategies that they can incre increase and just just upgrade just just a little bit. And may, maybe that's the uh, space of change that someone needs. And I, th I think when it comes to that, though, is I'm very aware of what's right for me is not right for anyone else. Um, yeah. and I, yeah. and I see, and I see this push down the line, as I say, with this great Australian dream, everyone that I know of has a plan that their children should, should do, you know, they should get up. They, they, when they, when they finish school, they should have a thing and we push them into what they should be doing. My son's one of the smartest people I know. Like he outsmarts me by far. Like I, I will ask him questions and, and he will tell me what happened in 1943 and which part of the war and where this happened and how that how that's relevant to what's going on today and all of these things. At the moment, he's, he's 15 years old and he's working at the local IGA and he's enjoying it. And I'm my encouragement for him is this, keep doing that if that's what you enjoy i 1000 percent believe you can go anywhere in your life and you could be a scientist or you could be whatever you want but make sure you're doing it for the right reasons yes money has to be a side effect we, we live in a world where where cash matters but also what happens if you die tomorrow what happens if you die tomorrow is any of it worth it yeah. is any of it worth it and i see so many people that buy into a uni degree that they never bloody use. And they've just burnt five years of the prime of their life to, to do what with. Yeah. And then uh, having a debt that they've got to pay back for the, however many first years of their working life as well. Yeah. We were talking about this just before we jumped on, right? Like, so my eldest having a gap year, yep. the work they're doing is just like, brings them so much joy. Yep. How good. How good. good. Comes home absolutely buzzing. Hey, uh, Clint, can can I just ask one about the, the back? Because I had an L5 uh, challenge as well. A PARS defect yep. uh, laid me out. Certainly, like I said, there's no comparison, right? Because the grief of, of what happens through the event is what is the real personal part. Yep. But I did heaps of learning about the, that part of the body and the impact. And, and a lot of it is around that space is around giving and receiving and which is why so many people have that lower back problem. It's around money, right? Yep. But the root cause is not around money. It's around feeling worthy, feeling safe, feeling seen, feeling heard, those things you talked about. And for me, it was probably more with, on my dad's side 
was there, have you unpacked the actual root cause of, of that lower back injury and, and being able to make sense of it in any way? Yeah, yeah. So we have a book somewhere here as well. My wife's absolutely right. The Secret Language of the Body is what the book's called. And um, she it's it's got all of the bits and pieces where it relates to your body because anything physically shows up emotionally first. And somehow, somehow we, we're great manifestors, right? We're, we really are great manifestors. So if, if what you think about is what you bring about often, if, if you're like, I'm going to get to do the drive and I'm going to carry the weight and you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, you're going to end up with shoulder pain or, you know, you yeah. do, there was something that come up recently for, for my wrist that it was like, and, and I went, went through and it was right wrist. And I'm like, of course, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. That's where I am. And I'm overdoing it in that area. Yeah. Um, back is a really interesting one. So it's some massive percentage of men that really struggle with back pain. And you've got to look when, when you do talk about the financial burdens, success is the father line. So proving yourself to your father and your worth, you're going to do it, put your back into it. You know, like you, you literally yeah. are going to put and push harder than you think necessary to prove your worth to your father. So yep. this, and yeah. this is really, really large across the board. Yeah. And is so that what you found? Been a lot of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my, my father is, He's a very interesting man and he's uh, he's very inspiring um, and he's been in and out of money and all of those things. But I've seen him get up and like ha- try something and fail, try something and fail, try something and do well. And I've seen him do that more times than anyone would ever care to try. He, is, he has got up more times than anyone would ever imagine. And it's just, it's actually mind boggling to see that. And um, that obviously comes with its own problems for, for his life. But for me, it's there's a balance in here somewhere. There's a there's an absolute balance because if you keep falling down, well, maybe you're riding your bike wrong. <laughs> and and uh, so there's there's an absolute point of we've got to we've got to have the presence to know where and what we can actually do and what we can achieve because. That we've heard that one before. It's you can't judge a, a, a fish by its ability to climb. Some people aren't meant to do certain things. Now, my wife is um, heavily involved in in uh, epigenetics, so she her passion is um, a program where they do epigenetic testing. They do a number of specific measurements where they find out your specific genotype and what works amazing for you. So what the, what they'll find is your best time to wake up in the morning, your ideal time to, to work, your best time to use your brain, your absolute strengths and your weaknesses. So when they do this, and we're all born into this, we're born with these specific genes that you can go like for me, I have the ability to um, to continue for long periods of time. That's very built into my body. Should I push too hard? No. Should I should I try and be uh, like a, a someone that's, that should go into a strongman challenge? Definitely not. But, and when I've tried those things, it's failed miserably. So imagine what the world could be like if we had that ability and you knew those things about yourself prior to attempting some of these things. It's like, man, that's not my strength. That's not yeah. my strength. You have a look at um, what they call it as an activator, and it's the the shorter, leaner um, men and women, but they're, they're usually short. They're usually quite fit and quite thin. Those people are designed to run. They're designed to get up and, and run super fast and be active and they live in the now, they live in the moment and they fire now and you'll get 
you'll get if, if you say to them what do you think about this they'll give it to you on the spot without thinking about your emotions that's that's often and there's journey and the idea is to transcend this and do better than than what our biology is but if you know those things to start with geez you're in a lot better space um yeah it sounds something like me, I, by the way I look at, yeah yeah, yeah. You're, you're similar similar yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I look at all of these things they all intertwine so everything i'm talking about here the first thing you need to know in life and it doesn't matter what it is where you're going whether it's your relationship whether it's your, your money story whether it's what you want to achieve in life is where you are so if you don't have a good sense of direction and you need to know like if you were to fly right now from if you were to fly to china how do you do that people i ask people this question it's like i get on a plane yeah right cool what how, how do you get on a plane? I book a plane. From where? From where? Well, oh, yeah, from Sydney. Very cool. How do you get to the airport? If you don't know where you are, how do you map it out clearly? So if you know exactly where you are in space and time, then we can make a clear picture to get to China and go, cool, I'm in Sydney at this, this address. I know it's a 30-minute drive to the airport. I can get there quite simply. That's cool. All right, now we can look. Sydney to China, what is the best options? Oh, now we can have a look at our best option to get there. And that really maps out a clear strategy for all things. If you're if you're uh, in a place, and I use this exact an answer is, if you've got to set yourself a, a goal to be a millionaire and you have five dollars in the bank, well, trying to do that in twelve months is very unlikely, and you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. If you set realistic, achievable goals, yeah, I think we should have big goals, but I also think they should be achievable, because there's nothing worse than getting to the end of the twelve months and thinking you're a loser because you didn't make it. So, so, so I think there's there's a whole lot in the self development world that needs a little more attention and 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 that uh, ability to tune in with, hey, what's right for me? Just because I've done it, may not be right for you. Yeah, well said. Um, so you said uh, like you looked at your dad, the, the getting up and the failing, and then going again and going again. Was that? Was that part of what was showing up for you? Was it like continuing yeah. to sort of push through like again and again where, where perhaps you should have changed direction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was, there was a lot of things that I did that I look back and I'm like, just, just silly things. Like I, I, I found it easier to do things myself than ask for somebody else's help to do it because I was fast and I was efficient and I could get things done. Yeah, it caused me problems, but I was fast and I was efficient. And then again, so what I did now is I traded now for a future event that probably didn't exist. And that's that's what we've really got to look at. The only thing that we know is real is right now. And the only thing we can predict is right now. And the closer things are to now, the better we can predict them. So so when we look at time and space over, over things, people, people are always telling me that, oh, I can jump on the stock market and I can do this. And I'm like, well... The bets you, you can hedge the hedge the bets, but you cannot guarantee that it's going to work that way. There is no nothing into the future that's guaranteed. Short trading, yeah, sure, you can lower your odds and make sure that you can do some of those things. But what people the, there's a theory and it's called entropy and it's a it's chaos theory. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. So so chaos theory is absolutely amazing when you start looking at every time you add a more op, another option and simply time is another option. It's not structured, it's chaos. And there is absolutely no chance that the future is going to resemble today. Now, day by day, things look much the same, right? Day by day, things look 
very, very similar, but your life in six months will be drastically different to what it is now. Yeah, and 100%. it can even look even more drastically different if you start improving one thing a day. Yeah, so good. So, Clint, you've mentioned changes and being able to make changes. So twofold question for us to come towards the end of this chat is what are the changes that you want to see in the world and how is the work that you're doing now with people contributing towards that? All right. So I feel a world grows great when old men plant trees for shade, they'll never sleep under. Yeah, it's good. Um, so th this is a, a really interesting point. And it's, it's like this, I think all of us should do good things, but not look for anyone to know about it. You should, there's, there's a number of, number of parts. I think the world grows great when good men do some bad things and bad men do some good things because what this, this world revolves around good people standing up and fighting where it's need to be. That's what we need. And it needs some of the bad people to do a few good things amongst that as well. Um, so, so the way I see it is there is no, uh, there is no downside to giving people some compassion. There is absolutely no downside to compassion. Of course, you've got to draw your boundaries. There's no downside to showing love and there is no downside to being present with anyone. There is, but if you can do that and if you'll find doesn't matter who it is. And sometimes people just talk because they've got a busy mind. You know, there's, there's times in their life we'll go somewhere and you're like, geez, that person just unloaded. Well, sometimes it's nice just to actually just listen to that person because that might be the fucking difference. That yeah. might be the difference in the, in the whole world shifting for them. Going, a stranger actually listened to me today. Wow. Yeah. We can't yeah. pretend we know what's going on in anyone else's Half the time we don't know what's going on in our own head. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, what I've created is a, a bit of a space where I can take on some some people and mentor them um, in a way that's very, very in line with what they want, what they need and in line with their goals. But we map it out very clearly and strategically in a way that it definitely helps. And I do that and I guarantee the results and I guarantee the results by I do not charge for it. And as we spoke about that just be earlier in the before we started, um, yeah. I'm doing this out, out of my overflow so i'm not taking on hundreds of clients and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to get rich off other people's money and i've seen this in the personal development world and there's there's a lot of gaslighting and uh what i would call a pyramid scheme of um you know i'm going to show you how to get rich by doing what i'm doing and taking money off people that don't really have it um yeah so there is there's, look there's merit i understand that everyone does need to make money and there's and there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of people out there that are doing wonderful things in the world i do think that there needs to be an, a bit of an integrity check in to make sure people can afford it um for me the i've found the people that need it most often can't afford it so i'm helping and guaranteeing change by making sure that people honor my time by doing the things that they said they're going to do so uh, as I was saying to you, I've started uh, with a lovely lady earlier and her homework is to read a book that she must read in the next two weeks. Otherwise, she doesn't get any more of my time um, because I, I, that's how she's going to pay me is by maintaining her agreement. I sent out some questions and I started in this space. My wife's been very encouraging for me to get into this space because I have a presence that 
a lot of people admire and, and look up to in some of that. And I've sort of rebutted against it because I don't like the idea of charging for it. For something that I'd give away for free and for something that I'm passionate about of, of helping people do better in their life, I think this project and the way that we've created this, so there's, this is a three-part thing where essentially I'm doing what I call the karmic collab. And essentially the, the first part is everyone has to align with my values. If, if, yep. if people don't align with my values, then I, then I can't actually help you um, because I, I wouldn't be able to offer real true advice. But also if you align with my values, I kind of get paid karmically through the universe somewhere. Yeah, I love that. So, so that's, that's massive to me. Then I've got a um, 20 questions that you must fill out. Now, these are very difficult questions. I've given them to some people that were paying clients and they never got them back to me because they're yeah, long, right. hard questions. Yeah. And so they're, they're questions like, what's your purpose? What gets you up each day? What are you trying to prove and to who? So that goes really deep in your psyche. But what it also does is it saves me five hours of spending time with you, getting to know you and getting to the bottom of what you really need and want. So that's a massive part. I can read through these questions and go, okay, cool. We've got this, this, and this. I can see the gaps. I can see a map. I can see how to improve these things because you've already told me. And um, the lovely lady I worked with earlier, it was, the, the map wasn't clear. This was a massive part. We needed to map out and make it really, really clear. Um, there's no there's no point having goals that are unachievable. There's no point uh, making agreements you can't keep. So we've got to be really, really clear and go through those things. So. That's, that's the first part I do, but obviously there's things that are outside my realm um, of expertise. So for, this is the, the lovely part as well, where I feel quite happy with is once, say I take on a, a, a person that I, I feel I can help, once I've got them to a space of getting ahead and if they need mental health, I have a great team that now they can afford to go and get help with this lady if they need to. If that's they've cool. got a problem with their health, my wife can help them with that, but they can do this from their overflow, not from, hey, you actually need a problem with your health. Go and fucking get the money. Yeah. We've created a space where everyone's actually already getting ahead. They've got nothing to lose. And uh, like I did it with the lady earlier. I said, I've, um, we went through, we did a prosperity, uh, a, a, a prosperity activity, went through of how, what the money story looked like and all of those sorts of things. And I actually, gifted her $2,000 in cryptocurrency. And I did that so that now every time she spends that cryptocurrency, she can save her real money. That's cool. So this way she's got real money to actually start getting ahead and doing better in her life and actually doing better in, in her path. So it, it gives an opportunity for, for people to do better and uh, can't do that with everyone, but sometimes you can. Yeah, and, and I love that, the fact that you're dedicating so much to giving back, but you're also empowering them to then continue that journey and giving them the resources and the options as well. And yeah, as you said, yeah. it's, they're all on their own journey and they'll, they'll find their own way, whether it's through your network or somewhere else, you've set them on a path that, from my experience, once people start on that path, that they will continue to grow. And, and like you said, that, that ripples out and literally changes the world. It, it unfolds in such a magical way. So, and, and, and the easiest way to look at this is every single person that we know could save $50 a week. We could do yeah. it. Yeah. If we sharpen our pencil and go, we can save $50 a week, right? Now, this is the first part. 
you're not being accountable to me. You're being accountable to you because if you, if I said to you, all right, Ian, look, how can we save $50 a week? And you went, oh, look, I buy a coffee each day and I can shave that off. I make my coffee at home. So that's 35 bucks. Plus, you know what? I can, I can put my change in a jar. There's 50 bucks a week. Well, that's not just you that benefits from that. That's your family that benefits from that. Now we're making some real change in the world. Some small little incremental changes. That's if you change not just your world, you change you and your family's world. What else do you want? What else do you want? Yeah, so good. Oh, Clint, great chat. So much, so much wisdom. You you said before, if someone pulls one part out of this, well, like you've you've given so many great tips and and real life examples of, of what people can go and do and then also sharing the opportunity that you have. So where can people find you, Clint, if they want to reach out and find out more about what you're up to? So there's a few places. Um, you can jump on Rebel Wellness on Facebook or on Instagram. It's Rebel Wellness. Um, or my personal Facebook is Clint Gregory. Um, so you can jump onto that and have a bit of a look and send me a message, jump on through any of that. And, and we can go from there. That's probably the easiest way or my email, which you also have. Yeah, and we'll make sure in the show notes as well. Uh, Clint, thank, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom. I appreciate it, mate. All right, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.